Hello and welcome to the Learn Chinese Insights podcast,、uh, brought to you by ChineseLearnOnline.com. I'm your host, Adam. In each episode, we interview someone who has learned Chinese as a second language to find out、uh, why they learned Chinese, how they learned it, and what they're doing with it these days. So, in this episode, I'm happy to have Dominic Cope. Um, so before we get started, Dominic, why don't you give us a quick intro about yourself, where you're from, what you're doing in Mandarin, and then we'll go from there. All right, no problem. Ah,、uh, 好，大家好，我叫孔义和，我十八岁就来台湾。啊、uh, ，一开始啊， uh, 在在台中，呃，就是在那个呃呃清水那边呃教英文，然后去经济大学学中文。啊、呃，学了四年多之后，去东海大学的社会学系，呃，读读大学部，然后也呃毕业之后去开始开始去工作，然后现在我在一家物联网公司，呃，当呃执行长，呃，所以我对现在是可以，比较比较少用呃在呃办公室里面用中文，但是我呃喜欢。跟大家交就是交流，还有介绍物联网，还有一些我在在台湾做一些事情。All right, so you said you came to Taiwan when you were eighteen. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I, my my dad had just gotten remarried at the time, so I、uh, I was living in Kunming for、uh, for two years before I came here.、Oh, I had an office in China. That's correct. And and where I, you, where are you from originally? Originally from Oregon and then Ohio, so United States. Okay, and then when did you move to China? Like, how old were you? I was sixteen at the time. Okay, and that was related to your dad's work.、Uh, yeah, it was related.、Uh, that's correct. Yeah, he、uh, he wanted to change change some things.、Um, he had an opportunity to go to a, a school in Kunming, China. And teach English, so、uh, he he took that opportunity. I chose, you know, I went with him, and I finished up my high school I, by correspondent courses. Okay, so you didn't have、oh. to go to school in China.、Uh, that's correct. I I, so I, I kind of so during the day I mean, you just focus on your studies from home. That's right.、Um, in reality, it was probably because I had a year to finish up. Uh, each, you know, the, the courses for that school year.、Uh, so it was pretty much, I would say, seven months of、uh, of me going, you know, sitting with my sitting with some friends at the high school,、um, you know, kind of going around learning China, you know, learning、uh, Kunming,、um, you know, kind of riding around, do what I want to do, and、uh, and then study hard for the last five months or so to finish up the courses with、uh, with good grades. So, yeah, it was a little bit different different path to、uh, to finish high school, and it took me a lot a while longer than、uh, than it should have because you know is more self、uh, required a, a sense of self discipline that、uh, you know most sixteen year olds didn't have, especially in that kind of situation. So、uh, you know it took me a while to finish up high school. So, what was your initial reaction like having to go from America to China? Like, were you excited about it? I yeah I was I had actually when I was 16、uh, I went to Costa Rica for two months 
uh, doing some volunteer work for an organization. Um, and it was in the middle of that trip where my father had, you know, talked to me about the opportunity. So I had, I had some time to think about it. And, you know, my, my experience at that time had primed me to be accepting of doing something different because it was very interesting. You know, I, I was on an adventure. And it seemed that, you know, moving to China would be an even bigger adventure. So I was interested and ended up uh, taking the opportunity. I mean, he, he framed, he framed the, the opportunity in the way that uh, he can, you know, we can either move there together when I was 16 or he'll wait until I was 18 uh, and then he would move on his own. So I, you know, I figured, uh, you know, I, I, it was a good time. It was a good opportunity. And I decided to take that, take that jump, you know, the, that leap to try to basically change everything. And I feel it's worked out pretty well for both of us. So when you were uh, in China and taking these correspondence courses, so you didn't have a teacher for that? I no, most of it, most of the studying was through courses, you know, through books, through school send you the material you would uh, study on your own on your own and then when there are tests you'd have to have someone uh, who was nominated to be like a test taker to uh, sit down with you and monitor uh, the test taking but most of the time was you know just to self-study and some correspondence with with teachers um, you know this was before you know the inter- the internet really made education uh, easier um, so a lot of it was textbook based and paper based. So when you weren't uh, working on your schoolwork, like what type of things were you doing there? Um, a, a lot of PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> that time, PlayStation Two had come out. Uh, I remember Final Fantasy VII. That was when that when that game came out. Um, but also, yeah, hanging out with with uh, friends. You know, I had uh, <clears throat> made quite a few friends at the school my dad was teaching at. Oh, okay. And so these are local yeah, so Chinese kids. Local Chinese, yeah. And uh, you know, so we, how how was communication like at that time? Uh, it was okay. Uh, they, it was a, it, my dad went to a school that was focused on teaching English, hmm. and their their English was pretty good. Uh, some better than others, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I learned to play Chinese, Chinese, the, uh, Xiangxi and, uh, you know, a lot of other kind of traditional Chinese games and, you know, tea and going to these different places that, you know, friends would take me to. Um, so it was, it was an adventure and, uh, it also helped me lose a lot of weight. I was, uh, when I was in America, I was fairly, fairly heavy. And going to China with the, you know, the bicycle was the only form of you know transportation, and we lived on like the seventh floor, and there was no elevator, so I got a lot more exercise than I had ever ever been used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a good experience. So, was there any culture shock at all? Um, I think the biggest the biggest thing for me to kind of get used to was food, uh, and all the you know lack of these comfort foods. Um, but fortunately, you know, Kunming had a very strong influence from Sichuan, China. And, you know, the, the food that I had in China and Kunming was some of the best Chinese food I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was, there was good replacement food for that. Um, 
another thing was at the time uh, that was in 2000 or 1999. Oh no, 1998 when I moved uh, to Kunming. And at that time, there were not many foreigners there. I think the whole city of three million or or so people, there were 200 foreigners. Uh, so there was still, you know, a lot of interest uh, in foreigners. And you know, I remember you know, grandma mas or someone you know like carrying a kid and stopping on the road and pointing pointing to me and say oh la wai la wai i you know so it was, it was more of a uh you know that to me was a little more of a shock just because i you know i wasn't used to standing out anywhere sure now at this point in time was was learning chinese a priority for you like was that something you're actively doing I, it was, but very basic, um, you know, just enough to get around and to know when I was getting ripped off. <laughs> uh, you know, in at that, that time in China, there, you know, there'd be a foreigner price and everybody else price. So, uh, just, just the basics, numbers, uh, you know, basic politeness, you know, something, you know, thank you, of course. And, and I, but I, at that point in time, I didn't really, you know, try too much. And I think because the environment uh, allowed me to get away with not speaking Chinese, I, uh, you know, a lot of the friends that I had, I'd go out with them and, and they would help. Uh, so, so I wasn't uh, pushed um, like that until I, I moved here. So there wasn't any formal process you're using to learn? Nope. Just whatever you pick up. Yeah, I think for a short time I tried to uh, take courses from you know one of the t- teachers there, mm-hmm. but I uh, did really stick for too long, and I think shortly after I I moved here. All right, so then how did you end up from there to Taiwan? I well, like I mentioned, my dad was I uh, you know he got remarried, and you know I figured I was 18 years old. It was a good opportunity for you know, me to kind of go do my own thing. And a friend of a friend had a Bushiban, uh, in kindergarten out in Qingshui. So I, you know, decided to, you know, ask him if there are any opportunities. Uh, he said yes. And, you know, within two weeks, I, I was here. So when you first came, like looking back, what uh, differences did you notice between Taiwan and China? I uh, right away actually I mean the food uh again it comes down to the food it's I uh, you know the my expectation you know based on my my time in Kunming mm-hmm. uh was very different than like the food options here mm-hmm. uh very different influences here for food um the the people were very nice here uh you know I think more welcoming uh, in many ways than a lot of the Chinese I had met um there was a larger foreigner population. I, mm. uh, you know, had you know, different transportation. I had a scooter, and I was driving around from Qingshui to to Dadu and to Daya on a regular basis, uh, or Dajia. Uh, so, <clears throat> I, you know, it was just very different lifestyle. Uh, but at, at that time, I was still I was uh, still doing my correspondent courses. Um, you know, I didn't actually finish my correspondent courses until I was like 22. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that was at least a constant. So at that point, or over the next few years, did you think that you'll stay in Taiwan long term? No. When I moved here, it was a typical, typical, uh, you know, scenario of 
oh, I'll come to Taiwan for one year and, and do something else after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I was at that point in time, I was on a student visa. So I was, uh, you know, studying two hours a day in Jingyi, Jingyi Dashi, Providence University, uh, main campus. And, and, you know, I had, I found some, you know, a good teacher. Uh, you know, she'd helped me a lot in getting set up here with, you know, I think kind of things you need, uh, and, you know, help me, uh, you know, just get more acclimatized and we became friends. Um, but small classes, you know, I think for me, I was lucky to have small classes and, uh, after that first year was was up, I was like, all right, well, it seems like a, a you know good place to to can, can continue to live. I'll, I'll be here for another year, mm-hmm. and you know that that same story happened until I was 23 and got married. Hmm. Oh, you got married at 23. That's right. Okay, so your wife's Taiwanese. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then you knew that. Okay, now I'm gonna stick around. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. At that point in time, I had I. Uh, you know, I decided that, all right, I want to, if I want to be in Taiwan long term, mm-hmm. I want to find something outside of uh, teaching English. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I went to, you know, so I, in order to do that, I had to get a university degree. Mm-hmm. And I had applied to several schools in Taiwan um, and, you know, decided in the end to, uh, to, to go to Donghai. Uh, you know, because it was in Taichung, it was convenient. And, you know, my wife was working at the time as an English teacher, uh, a private English teacher. And, you know, that, that provided some income and some stability. So, you know, we thought that was the best move rather than like going up to Taipei or some other place. Uh, maybe a better a school with a, uh, better reputation, but, you know, it, I think it would have been more challenging if, uh, if we've taken that approach. So what uh, degree was this? In sociology. Mm-hmm. So at that point, was your plan to use that degree to, to work in sociology? I, no, I think from, from uh, afterwards, you know, and before I had, you know, talking to people, sociology is a degree where it's, you know, it's a very interesting subject. And that's why I chose it. It was an interest. Um, I, and, you know, Donghai, along with many other schools, you can you can kind of choose which school you want to go uh, or which uh, department you want to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, sociology department in Donghai uh, is is quite well known, and uh, you know, but I didn't have any any idea or um, you know sense that I actually would use a sociology degree because at that point in time, I really didn't know what opportunities there were uh, when I got out of when I got out of school. Uh, so yeah, I just pursued my interests. So this degree is was in English or in Chinese? It was in Chinese. Oh, so this is the same degree that any local person will take. Yep. Yeah, I was the first foreigner in uh, in that department in the fifty oh, wow. years of the department. Yeah. So was there like some fascination from your uh, from the students around you that what's this guy doing here? Um, I think, I think there was more fascination of like, well, what is sociology? Um, you know, most of the students due to the fact that, you know, the Taiwan education system is, is one where you, you know, you choose the better school, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily what department in that school, you know, from high school to university. 
Uh, and so a lot of students chose sociology without really an understanding of, of, uh, what it was. Um, so yeah, I think, I think in many ways that, you know, it allowed me to stand out in, in front of my, my teachers, but it also, I, I was married. I lived off campus. I wasn't in the dorms like all the students were. Uh, so in, in some ways I was an outlier, um, where I was part of many groups, but not really a part of them. You know, it was always welcome, but never part of the cliques, you know, so that, but that was good. It allowed me to, um, you know, interact with a larger group of students than I would have otherwise been able to. So at this point, your Chinese was good enough to, to manage all these subjects and things? Uh, yeah. For, uh, you know, one of the benefits of choosing sociology ended up being, uh, that, you know, it's a very Western study still. A lot of the texts were in, you know, textbooks were in English mm. and I just yeah. had to find the English version. There were some Chinese ones that I couldn't, you know, couldn't get out of, but I was able to read through them. Um, and because a lot of the teachers were, you know, Western educated, um, it, I was able to write English for my papers. Oh, so, okay. oh, you know, okay. but the, the courses were all in Chinese. If I did a presentation or something, which the teachers often asked me to do, mm-hmm. I, it would be in Chinese. And, you know, of course my, you know, not many of my classmates at the time really wanted to, to speak much Chinese, uh, much English to me. It was mostly Chinese. So, uh, you know, it allowed me to just practice more and, uh, you know, it, it definitely put a uh, different kind of pressure on me because, you know, I would just, I, I would have to do, do well in class or I'd have to at least show up because if I didn't, I was mm-hmm. the only foreigner, uh, my teacher would tell right away. So it forced me to pay a little bit more attention in class to take notes and to, to make sure I, I showed up and often sat somewhere in the front. <laughs> so how, how would you say your, your reading and writing skills compared to your like listening and speaking? Um, my listening and speaking are, are fairly good. Uh, my writing and reading, I mean, I can, I can type Chinese mm-hmm. fairly well, um, <clears throat> and, and read it okay. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's complex, more complex if I have to read a newspaper or, a, you know, a, a heavy, a heavy article. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm, I'm much more comfortable speaking and listening than I am reading and writing. Right. All right. So what happened after you got the degree? What was your next uh, career path? Yeah, at that time, I had uh, had a friend who had started a marketing and design company uh, here in Taichung. Uh, he'd started that company with uh, two uh, two others, and it, at that year, probably pretty much the same month that I I was uh, graduating, <clears throat> these two two of the partners left. Uh, you know, to want to go go to Australia and one back to the U.S. Uh, so, you know, I had, I had an opportunity to work in a company called Eiley Intangible in Logic, um, and, you know, helped with, uh, customer, you know, project management, uh, kind of develop, developing some customers, um, making sure that we can do their websites, uh, you know, design logos, uh, do marketing materials for them, et cetera. And, it was it was a fairly small company, 
Uh, we had moved into a, a building, actually the same building uh, we're at now, and we uh, uh, moved in with another company. That company, like a month later, decided to move. So we were uh, looking again for, you know, looking for another company to share the office space with us. And we, we ended up uh, talking to one of our customers at Morrison Academy uh, and, and told him the situation. And he introduced a guy named Hans Rempel and Sam Webster, uh, who are Morrison alumni who uh, started, you know, was starting a company called Exocyte. And, you know, we had shared that office space uh, for a year or so. Uh, and I, you know, after a while, I, I decided to leave Eiley and uh, through a relationship I, I had with one of the uh, one of the co-founders of Exocytes, I was, uh, you know, I found out about an opportunity and I, I literally moved my chair from one seat to another in the same office, uh, but changed companies. Um, and it was on, on April Fool's Day of uh, 2000, uh, 2010 or 2011, yeah, five, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing that since? That's right. You know, the last five years I've been been here, and when I uh, when I started, the company was about ten people, mm-hmm. and now they're about a hundred and forty people. Oh wow! I uh, here in Taichung and also in Minneapolis, um, which is a headquarters. Hmm. So for other Westerners who are out here, maybe they're teaching English or, and they want to branch off into a different career path. Uh, what advice would you have for them? Uh, I think that learning Chinese is an important tool to be able to uh, to find other opportunities here in Taiwan. Uh, I think branching out, like meeting other people, expressing your interests, um, and, and I think being uh, willing to take a pay cut uh, initially for a longer-term growth path. Uh, teaching English here is a fairly lucrative job, uh, you know, you can, but there is a limit, you know, and I, I think a lot of uh, people here who teach English, just like myself in the past, is, um, you know, you, uh, you always be able to uh, make a lot of money, but then you'd also spend a lot of money. Uh, and, and savings wasn't really something that, that myself or, uh, you know, many people I know are in that situation were, you know, excel at. Um, and so for me, the biggest thing was to, uh, be able to take a significant pay, uh, pay cut, uh, in order to kind of start that process of, uh, working hard, um, trying to do different things, you know, whatever is kind of needed to, to add value to the organization and, uh, you know, try to do my best and, you know, hopefully be recognized and be given different opportunities because of that. So in your day to day job now, uh, you're required to speak Chinese? Uh, I, not necessarily. I've, uh, you know, we are a Western company here. Um, and, and, we have that, uh, you know, it's kind of a startup feel still to it. Uh, you know, we try to provide an English environment for uh, for our employees, and but I am recently going out and doing some public speaking uh, about the Internet of Things 
Uh, and that requires a lot of Chinese. So, you know, I, on a day to day basis, I still speak Chinese quite a bit. Um, and it's, uh, but just not, not necessarily with, uh, the people who work at Exocyte. Mm-hmm. Now, now shifting to your, your personal life, uh, you mentioned you're married and, uh, you have a couple of kids now. That's correct. I have, uh, three year old twins. Wow. So what's, uh, What's that like, uh, raising them, you know, in a Chinese English environment? Like, what's your approach with them regarding language? Yeah, um, you know, because my, my wife, uh, speaks both languages, uh, her English is very fluent, um, as well. And, and, you know, my, my, you know, English is my native language and Chinese, I speak fluently as well. So we took the approach of, you know, her speaking Chinese to them and I speaking, you know, me speaking English uh, to them. So that, that worked for a long time until we found that their Chinese was just getting so much better uh, because on a day-to-day, you know, day-to-day basis, the Chinese would be, you know, they'd be exposed to a lot more Chinese than English. So uh, recently, you know, she, probably six months ago or something, she kind of I uh, shifted that and part part Chinese, part English. Uh, she communicates. She communicates with them, but they can they can do both. They can switch back and forth, uh, and you know they they only sometimes get a little bit confused uh, with the two, and their grammar sometimes is affected by it. But they'll they'll sort it out. So as they grow up, is your plan just to put them in in the local Chinese medium school, or would you want them to do bilingual, or what's your, what are your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. About uh, two months ago, we started to have them go to some classes, you know, music classes or art classes, just to get exposed to some social interactions with other kids. Um, you know, I I believe that due to technology, you know, technology changing and, and having a greater impact on our on our lives, um, that the education system, even the Western education system, needs to be adjusted to uh, to react to that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I've tried to expose my kids to uh, you know some electronics, not not in the you know the smartphone, but uh, you know I sometimes take things apart with them, like printers or computers or whatever. Uh, and uh, but you know, to answer your question, I, I'm not sure at this point in time. I, I think that it's more important to, to allow them to find something that they are interested in and then pursue that interest, mm-hmm. uh, rather than trying to fit in a you know an education system which is antiquated and um, you know unfortunately stifles uh, a lot of creativity or um you know the ability to pursue identify and pursue something that they can become passionate about right okay well wow some very good insights from you i appreciate you taking the the time to share those with us and mm-hmm. uh yeah we'll post this and if uh, anyone has any comments uh, i'll be happy to share them with you okay thank you very much adam okay thanks dominic